All right. <clears throat> Clear the throat. Let's get it all ready. Unique New York. Unique. <laughs> Unique. The tip of the tongue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everybody, this is Mike, and uh, as always, I am joined by Maggie Sirota. And this is Three Things with Maggie and Mike. I was trying to remember which order all the words went in because on the last episode, I was just like, Maggie and Mike, three things are three. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, I mean, yeah. if, if we don't. It's not like 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 the FCC is going to fine us if you don't get the you know the <laughs> the words in order. You're like three bears, Goldilocks, us. No, it's just me. It's the FC me. I I have to edit these episodes and listen to my dumb voice uh, mess like, up things. It's like your Carrie Bradshaw um, voiceover. Everyone was talking about the FCC, but what about the FC me? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that other voice that sounds like me, I should just introduce him right away. This is my brother, Dave Gugino. Say hi, Dave. Hi, guys. Um, this is a crossover episode from I'm coming over from um, Does It Suck Now to help on three things with Mike and Maggie talking about only three things, just three. Well, no, yes, we're going to talk about three things. You get one thing. I'm going to talk about one thing. So we brought you on the show to talk about one thing. because uh, Well, but it's uh, also my thing. But it's, oh, this is your thing. Yeah. Remember? Oh, wait. So this all works out then. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I love it. I love it when it comes together like this. Wow. We're we, doing we it right. We make it look so easy. We make it look so easy. We're doing it's a it thing. right. Even when we don't know we're doing it right. And that's how you do it. That's <laughs> how we learn to have sex. <laughs> and even <laughs> when you don't know what you're doing at all, I think that's when we really shine. That's that's definitely when we shine. Uh, <laughs> like when you don't know the lyrics to a Morrissey song. Yeah. <laughs> you just make them up. Oh, wait, I came up with a with another good Morrissey lyric. Oh, good. Good. Because I've just bought a tin of snuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. It's pretty good. I love I would have done snuff. I think he probably did snuff. Pro I mean, probably that's what he's English. I mean, I'm fascinated by the Morrissey that lives in your imagination versus I think I prefer the Morrissey that lives in your in your in imagination. My imagination. Yeah. The yeah. Morrissey who had to beg for a, a, a farthing to get a fine fat goose for Christmas. Yeah, I mean, your Morrissey is writing like songs about ascots and porridge. <laughs> you just changed Charles Dickens into your into your Morrissey. That's what you that's that is what I exactly what I pointed out last time. <laughs> there, there's no difference in my brain between them. <laughs> Both titans of English literature. Yes. He's Charles Dickens with a pompadour, pretty much. You, right? you know what I do? I have to say that uh, having edited that episode and listening to that song uh, a little bit, it grew on me. Okay. Just a little bit. And I think uh, that the Queen is Dead is... That was the song, right? Yes. It, it, pretty it was i kind of liked it too late it's too late he's problematic and i'm starting to like him now god <laughs> great timing great timing in the last so, episode did you just tell everyone about how you hated morrissey when you were growing up yeah i did okay all right i'm caught up i remember this phase 
Okay, I like that you're here to, to fact check all of Mike's uh my Mike's tales. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> so wait, Maggie, why yes. don't you tell us more about what we're talking about? Okay, here. so my thing for this week is um you know, it's like we're getting older and you know, as you get older, more and more people you grew up with, even though you don't know them, are gonna die. You know, Adam Yauk. Uh, who uh, Chris Cornell, um, Anna Nicole Smith, just these people. You don't know them. They're kind of, you know, bizarre. Ubiquitous I, in your yeah, life. But they're bit. ubiquitous in your, your kind of public, your, you know, grand imagination. So this week um, we had a couple. We had Ricky Powell, the quote unquote fourth beastie boy. Who else do we have? Hank Aaron. Or maybe that was last week. But then we also this week had Dustin Diamond, which to me feels like a really tragic one. And it's kind of tragic in a very predictable way, like in that kind of sad post-child star life. And it's like we've all kind of like agreed that like, hey, we're going to watch these kids on TV. We've all, and we've all kind of accepted the fact and like then we're kind of watching them ruin their lives. Yeah, you know I mean? in real time. Yeah, yeah. Like we're What's watching- weird is he's, he was only 44 right? Uh, and I'm 42. And for some reason, I thought he was so much older than me. Right. Like, you know how, the, uh, especially like child stars give you that impression of like, you know, he's not my age. Right. Like, and it's like, oh my God, he's, he was 44. Like, what the hell? Like, right. Because like when you were going to like school every day, he was going to work. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 <laughs> Definitely. Was. Well, there's also that separation, no matter what it is until you, you get older and you suddenly have had some experience in it that you go, and maybe it's just getting older in general where you're like, they're just like me, except they had this job and they had this money. And I mm-hmm. think more and more about that, the older I get and how it, it's nice to not have had that sort of success when you're a teenager, unless you've had great people around you mm-hmm. who guide you and, and tell you what to do with your money and protect you. If not, we get one like behind the music, true Hollywood story after another till the end of time. Right. Basically. Well, Dave, you're a dancer, a professional dancer. Were you like a performer as a kid too? Or did we? Yeah, we so funny. We, Mike and I just had a meeting with my dad to do a lecture mm-hmm. uh, at a college. And they, they were kind of talking about that a little bit. Uh, we did like talent shows. I did dance, but we also, I also did a lot of sports. Mm-hmm. So I would take tap dancing, but we liked, I would, you know, do plays at the JCC. And I would always ask my parents about it. Like, what about us being like child stars? And they said, well, you know, my dad worked in production and was around it. And there were probably opportunities to use kids and he would use us in his videos. Mm -hmm. But he said, we kind of just wanted to make sure that you guys had a childhood and a teenagehood. And then if you chose to do it, then that's perfectly fine. But we didn't want to do that. So so my performing experience was good in Philly when I was about 12 and I got into the Rainbow Company and that was professional theater troupe that did hip hop operas. Mm-hmm. And the whole premise was to bring kids from the inner city and kids from the suburbs, basically black kids and white kids. And we had all different mixes, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. together doing these shows that were about you know very hardcore things that were happening in these neighborhoods. And, and give everybody a, a chance to kind of like have a perspective. So that was mm-hmm. about the extent of the professional stuff through like my teenage years until college and then Momix and Joffrey yeah. Ballet. But you were never, um, you were never like mind warpingly 
successful like Scott no was. i was happy to get the 300 <clears throat> to do the play when i was like 12 yeah i mean you, like, in, in a lot of ways like what you did was a little was more humble or i can't imagine like a huge hit like saved by the bell um and I'm sure like even the other stars probably have a lot different perspective having had that sort of like fame and instant recognition right away at what, I mean, what were they like 12 or something? I at think the, time? the other kids, like, I mean, it, it had a different, it was like good morning, miss bliss or something before it be- rebranded into saved by the bell. And I think they got rid of most of the kids, but screech. And then, but I think, I know that Screech was kind of the outcast. And I'm sorry, Dustin. I apologize. I'm still like, um, I know that Dustin was kind of the outcast. Like he didn't really get along with anyone except I think for Mario Lopez and um, Dennis Haskins, Mr. Belding. Um, I mean, I think he was a bit younger than them. So it's like, like maybe it was a couple years younger, but that's still significant back then. Like, <laughs> Oh, back then it was like, I mean, it's, it's weird. We were saying his age now, but like two years difference back in the day was like a whole lifetime away. Like, like somebody who is like your freshman and they're like a junior, they're like a different generation. They like, they might as well be like a baby boomer. (laughs) They're like, well, it's Woodstock like old man, you know? (laughs) What was it like to make a rotary phone call? (laughs) (laughs) What was it like before cars? (laughs) Yeah, well, you're also growing each year of your life until what, about 18 to 20-ish? So yeah. I think Some say that, you never yeah, I feel that inside emotionally. <laughs> Unfortunately, my beard's just turning salt and pepper at 40, but I don't, I call it growing. I'm growing. <laughs> but, but Dave, let's, let's get to the nuts and bolts here. Right. You knew Screech, or you knew Dustin yeah. Diamond. Ugh, Dustin Screech Diamond. Like we can I say did. Like uh, that. I, yeah. Um, so there was an off-Broadway show called The Awesome 80s Prom that I did for eight years. Wow. It was an interactive show at the lounge in Webster Hall where you would come in and you'd be in a, a prom in 1989. Mm-hmm. And they were all John Hughes characters. So they like play two songs they had a little stage get up do a sketch you know about trying to become prom king or queen and then play two more songs and then so my job was they would play parents just don't understand and i was the audience plant break dancer oh, so okay. to connect to that past stuff i met rennie harris and started doing hip-hop and so that's where my break dancing skills actually came from and I would just pretend I didn't know what I was doing and then suddenly like bust out just crazy tricks and stuff. <laughs> nice. Like a teen wolf almost. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Cross promotion. Like, oh my God, I'm good at basketball. <laughs> oh yeah. I had that moment where it got silent and everyone's watching me and suddenly I just started bouncing the ball dressed as a wolf. And I was like, oh yeah, I got this. Your buddy, Sty- so, your buddy Styles was there wearing his, wear- <laughs> what are you looking at that? At Dick Nose t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So wait, but let's fast forward you, but but what did how did you meet Dustin Diamond on this? So basically, as the show went on, um, I think it ran for 12 years, they started to do what they do with just shows in general in New York and bring in B D, these were all like D-list celebrities to kind of keep the promotion of the show going. And Dustin happened to be one of them. And so 
I always used to have time before the show started. I would get there around, you know, after the show started, do my bit and usually leave by nine o'clock. So when Dustin was backstage, she was there for three months. Um, we started chatting backstage. And at first I was just like, it's just pretty cool to like, just hang out with Dustin Diamond. And it was during the whole biggest loser or celebrity. I think it was celebrity fit club. Was that, was he on? Yeah. He was definitely the villain of that episode of that season. And it seemed like he was actively trying to be the villain. 100% true. So okay. after the show, we would sit and drink. And the, the drinks at Webster Hall were pretty expensive. And he had some money and he'd buy me drinks and we would hang out. And he told me, I said, well, what was the whole deal with you on the show? And he was like, me and my agent came up with it. Mm-hmm. It's all made up. Like we, I'm just acting. I'm just acting. So he had taken on this kind of villain persona and I guess just taking it with the rest of his public life. Personally, he was actually a really nice, funny, mm-hmm. slightly awkward. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe that he was only four years older than me because he kind of felt like a dirty old man. And he was really like playing that up every time we would chat. Interesting. I'm pretty sure. So Mike reminded me he did. He used to drop me a line every once in a while after the show was over to just see what I was doing. I can't remember if he came and hung out with us. I do remember one night we were leaving Webster Hall and I'm going to say, I think he was like, come to this like strip clubs, sex club thing with me. Whoa. And as, as much as people who know me that I'm a fairly open guy, I have some lines. <laughs> you, you won't go to a swinger club with Dustin Diamond. <laughs> Although it sounds like that would have been an amazing story. Right. That's like but, what you tell at the moth. Like, yeah. So I, I remember being like, well, I'm going to go to just like the local spot that I like, like Finnerty's and I don't know, like hit me up later. And more or less, that would happen a lot of times he came to town. If we did hang out, he would just kind of like show up at where I was. And then they would always go to someplace that was more expensive. And but uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember. He was just seemed like a really nice guy. And we, we kept getting along so well. I mean, we were friends on Facebook. He married one of the girls who was working backstage at the show. Oh, okay. And they were together, Heather, they were together for nine years in Michigan, I think. Was that the woman he made the sex tape with, or am I thinking of someone else? I think that was before. Okay. She was definitely with him when he made his like line of dildos. Uh, okay, <laughs> that that I missed. I did. <laughs> when I think oh, we all remember the line of screech dildos. He oh, Yeah, he definitely yeah. had like an arc of like, Hey, this is, he definitely had a certain kind of arc of the post, like the post, like child star with an, with an ironic attraction arc. Like, for example, like he was on stage at the gathering of the juggalos one year. Um, he had some forays in professional wrestling, um, stand up, like he did stand up after uh, Saved by the Bell. I um, remember the stand up. And I think he did some celebrity boxing. It's and then the VH1 shows. It's like everything that kind of like, in a way, acknowledges and also exploits that he's a cultural punchline. Like all those kind of weird avenues that you go through after child stardom. Assuming you're not like, assuming you're not like Elijah Wood, who apparently is very, very well adjusted, or <laughs> or like Justin Timberlake, or you know, or um, Josh Brolin. Yeah, Josh Bro- or um, oh, yeah, Jodie Foster. Even Brian you, Austin, wait, is Jodie Foster right? well adjusted? Or she was successful? I think she was successful, but there's some um, like there's one ex-child star I'm friendly with on um Twitter, Mara. She was in um Matilda, and um 
Matilda and uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. And she seems like, I mean, she's oh, yeah, a really yeah. smart, well-adjusted, interesting person. From what I gather, I haven't like hung out for IRL, but like. I definitely think it's the people around you because, you mm-hmm. know, as the, the, the cliche goes, there's probably all these people who loved him, or at least he mm-hmm. thought that they loved him. And I mean, you can definitely sense in later years when talking to him, like he seemed happier, but there was still a, a lagging bitterness in its own mm-hmm. way when we would talk and it felt right. like he was trying to pull a Christina Aguilera or anybody. I need to get away from this character. Right. This is not me. So I'm going to do the most outrageous things I can think mm-hmm. of, like getting bar fights or whatever it is and just be this mean, crazy dude, especially in the public. And yeah, I'm yeah, sad though. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely saw that play out on like celebrity fit club. Mm. There's also just a really kind of grossness to a lot of the celebrity like VH1 shows of the aughts, you know, like I think um, was Dr. Drew's Celebrity Rehab one of them? Oh, definitely. Yeah. The, and, the drummer from Guns N' Roses, the first one. Yeah. And Surreal Life. Steven Adler. And, it, and yeah. it was just, it was just, I feel like it was so dark. Like, like how many of the celebrity um, rehab people are even still alive? It's just like, there's this really kind <laughs> of dark point. grossness to like how like vh1 would kind of position and commodify like people and like the downswing of their careers or desperate for a second wave of fame and it was just a lot of it just seems so just i think too we were watching all of master chef and i know mike Hmm. loves that show and and it started in 2010 and one thing that we noticed was was like the peak of American Idol, reality shows, all that stuff going on. And you can see over the trajectory of the show as it's moved into the later teens Mm -hmm. from like the influence, I think, of like the British Bake Off and how people are finally saying like, we like these reality shows, but we kind of want these certain reality shows to be nicer. Yeah. Not like just be the dregs of society. And then if you really want that, go watch The Housewives or... We're just going to put that over there. But I think at the time it was everywhere and it was so successful. It was just bad candy, just bad candy. (laughs) Yeah. Even like American Idol was brutal. It was really mean. Like Ryan, like Ryan Seacrest comes over and puts his arm around you and like acts like your pal. And it's like, no, you're being made fun of. You're, you've been set up to be a fool. Like, Oh, also, absolutely. Like, it change it actually changes the people who go on these shows. Yeah. I mean, I just think like the very the like the very nature of fame changes people in mm-hmm. a way of like, I mean, if you look at MasterChef or American Idol, the people who go on that on season 10 are way different than the people who uh, have gone on it in season one, having never ever seen the show. Like they, those people don't know how to behave, and then that's why the show is good and interesting. Rather yeah. than have all these people who know the format and know how to behave, they actually behave different, and they're not as entertaining because they're, mm-hmm. you know, trying to be successful in that format. Right. But also, well, like, okay. I mean, I guess it, things really haven't changed because, like, we're talking about Dustin Diamond, who was famous for whatever, however many seasons of Saved by the Bell, and then basically could not escape that. Yeah. Was it three seasons? I don't know that many. I think it was maybe, was it? There were a couple iterations. They just um, rerun the shit out of it. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't, I I don't know how, like, syndication worked, but I imagine he had to be getting some syndication money. But that's, you know, it's like he, 
obviously just became that and couldn't escape mm-hmm. that character. Right. And mentally that's got to be very tough, especially at a young age to be just to grow up and always be that guy. Yeah. Know? He also yeah. always dis- distinctly looked like Screech. And I'm not saying that other stars haven't changed over the years from child star, but he always kind of looked like Screech. He just, no matter what he did with his body, the shape of his face, it just, it was too distinct, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's fascinating to think about and also must've been pretty horrible for him. Yeah. I mean, just like, like Dave, like you said, kind of about fame, like you're walking down the street and, you know, you can walk down the street and people don't shout a character name at you. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. can go go buy a beer and people don't, or like go use the ATM and people don't just shout things at you. <laughs> but especially like a character like Screech, which is like, and if know, they are, I'm really worried about that. It's yeah. not like you're. It's not like, um, may, like what if you're Christian Bale and all people know of you is your childhood role in like uh, what's that Empire Newsies. of the Sun or whatever or Newsies you know what I mean it's like he is he didn't even really do movies or anything he's just like this sort of like piece of nostalgia for people of a certain age and then it's mm-hmm. like that's it you know I, I, I mean I don't know I feel like if you want to be an actor and I can't really speak to the guy's motivations I feel like that would be very frustrating of like yeah. almost being like a one hit wonder with a novelty song and I mean absolutely it, it kind of like screams for you to act out at some point in your life mm-hmm. well I think one of the problems is is that I don't know if he I can't remember if he told me that he was trying to do you know indie movies or change that it seemed like he always leaned into the niche, maybe just mm-hmm. to make a living or, and do the other stuff. I don't know. Like that's, that is very curious to find out if he really, you know, had been like, no, I really want to be an actor. He kind of treated the reality thing. I remember saying he was excited about that being like, it's acting. It's all acting, Dave. Like mm-hmm. I'm just acting. And, you know, if any actor and he got into like a whole, <laughs> you know, talking about <laughs> craft with me. And then you walked away and you were like, it's fucking celebrity. <laughs> I mean, that's Come interesting. On. I love you, but we're not pulling a brando. I mean, but it's like, you can sort of hear the frustration that he's expressing where he's just like looking for any outlet to be taken seriously. And then I don't know. It's like, uh, he seems like sort of like, um, like sort of an, a complex example of like the way our culture treats celebrities. And it's like, it is sad, you know? Absolutely. But that's why at the beginning of all this, I was saying it, it really does make a difference of who you have around you to Mm -hmm. ground you. And if anything had ever happened in my career that, you know, just having the parents that we had, you know, dad's still alive. Um, (laughs) But having that base of just people who can, you know, ground you some way and, and, you know, that you can trust. Cause I think he probably got fucked over financially at some point. I'm sure there were a lot of people making a lot of money off of him that he never saw dime one from. And that also seems to be such yeah. a big resentment. The only diamonds he had were in his name. Well, it seems like, I mean, he made name as as like, like he didn't know how to manage his money as far as taxes. So I think he get like, like a lot of kids, like, come into a big amount of money then don't realize like you know capital gains like he lost a bunch of money there then he also accused his parents of stealing like a lot of child Mm. you know like 
like a lot of child actors, he accused his parents of spending most of his money. Um, mm. Like uh, Shia LaBeouf did that movie. Uh, were we just talking about recently? Honey Boy? I don't know if you saw that, but it's it's a similar story uh, where Shia LaBeouf is is talking about his dad, who was like a stuntman or something, who was managing his career while he was uh, in some like Disney or Nickelodeon show. Mm-hmm. Um, but the movie is actually, I thought it was pretty decent and, and interesting, and it kind of explains a lot about his personality because uh, mm-hmm. he is he mm-hmm. seems a similar way of like. Um, like prone to acting out in, yeah. in certain ways because of his childhood fame. There was also kind of this sense being around him and why I didn't want to necessarily go to some of the places he suggested. Cause it always just seemed Wait, a little what places out of place. would he like, suggest to go to? Do you place. remember any names of places? <sighs> I can't remember. He always wanted to go more like Midtown or <laughs> Maybe it was a club one night. Yeah, Midtown. Uh, You know, um, I definitely remember a strip club coming up at one point or another. And I'm picturing in my head like eyes wide certain types of parties that he would want to go to. (laughs) Yeah, and they were all just dressed like Saved by the Bell. And then they all had to dress like Screech. Like, what's the password, Mr. (laughs) Belding? Mr. Bell's ding. But yeah, I it's it, it, some sense of uncomfortability, and I can't remember if it's like maybe I didn't feel like I had enough money to like hang mm-hmm. out with him at the time because he wanted to go. So I don't know how much he was getting paid to do the awesome eighties prom. I was getting paid thirty dollars a show. We can I think so, we can safely say he was I'm making like, more than thirty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I know everyone else was making a hundred, but the, he was their celeb, and I guess it worked out so well, which is why they had him for three months. So kudos to Ken Davenport. Don't know where you got that money, but uh good job producer. <laughs> you know, he, he apparently got enough to have Dustin who wanted to come back. What if he only got paid in diamonds, he's like, I'm Dustin diamond. So you must give me, I would take yeah. one diamond after every show. Yeah. I'd be yeah, totally that fine. With that. That's what we make here. We make one diamond for every show. <laughs> But they're emo- they're emojis though. One time, but they don't happens. <laughs> but we have we just get a piece of coal, and then they're like, start pressing on it. Yeah, you. This is, has the potential to be a diamond one day. How bad do you want it? <laughs> I mean, just like uh, was it Adventures of Baron Munchausen with uh, what is his name? No, uh, 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 Vulcan. Vulcan crushes the diamond into Vulcan. Yeah, Oliver Oliver oh, Reed, was Oliver which Reed. I didn't realize till yeah. And he presses the coal and he's like, I made a diamond. And she throws him, and Uma Thurman throws him <laughs> yeah. on a giant pile of diamonds. <laughs> yeah. Trivia note she was like 18 when she did uh, that movie. Well, I think that's a good place to end the segment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we veer wildly off, off subject. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Well, all I have to say is, uh, you know, I, I'll miss Dustin, and and he was, for what it's worth, he was he was a really cool dude, and I did enjoy hanging out with him, and kind of having this random connection to Dustin Diamond out of the blue was just, you know, one yeah. of those New York moments, and I, and for what anybody can say, I always thought yeah. he was a really nice guy, and I'm not nobody's got a gun to my right. head. I'm, I'm, I mean, would be fair to say he was a nice but troubled guy. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And then you, his his ex-wife definitely posted like being married mm-hmm. to him, you know, like she 
she's like nine years of ups and downs and there definitely was like some really crazy stuff that I'm sure yeah. that happened. So I think he had some pretty yeah, big anger yeah. issues and, yeah, you know, but yeah, sad I'd have end, a drink with sad him end to a if sad he wasn't life. dead. Yeah. He had his True. share of dust and demons. Sorry. I'm sorry for that joke. I apologize. <laughs> well, let's move on to the next thing. Oh man. All right. Yeah, so thanks I'm for coming on the out. show, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Do you have anything you want to plug? No problem. Listen to uh, Does okay. It Suck Now? Also, I've basically written a couple of new scripts, and I'm going to be posting some teaser footage to a mockumentary that I've been creating about a professional dance school. It's, you know, Mel Brooks meets Best in Show. And um, just continuing writing and trying to get done whatever I can get done during these crazy, so watch crazy space. times. Yeah. So, and can we follow you on something? So you can follow me on Instagram. When is it? At David underscore Gugino. G-U-G-G-I-N-O. Same thing. <laughs> it is. I know. You can't have it. <laughs> And then uh, YouTube page can subscribe to that, and I'm on Vimeo, and it's all just put in David Gugino to any one of the platforms. And thank you for coming on the show. Egg, bacon, American cheese, soft toasted buttered roll, just a gush of hot sauce. Not too much, Sal. Want to taste that? What a way to start my new life. <sighs> With the perfect egg sandwich. My hands just mm. yeah. You're a lifesaver, Sal. I love you, I'm good for the 75 cents, okay? I promise. That's all the money I got in the yeah. world, and it's so worth it. <laughs> I don't know if it's the stray Armenian arm hair or the fact that his cheese slices are always six months out of date, but no one makes an egg sandwich like Sal. I mean it, Sal. No one. Okay, that is uh, a little clip from Birds of Prey okay. where uh, Margot Robbie, uh, Harley Quinn, is talking about getting a breakfast sandwich after like a night of drinking. And uh, I watched this movie recently on a plane, and for some reason, the movie's not that great so i okay. don't go out of your way to like see it or anything um but for some reason that little bit where she like gets a breakfast sandwich and just like like is basically so excited to get this breakfast sandwich and then ba- it turns into she gets chased by like the cops and like the mob like mm-hmm. all trying to eat this breakfast sandwich uh it was like one of it was like a really good scene but it Man, made I me just so mad if the cops try interrupted me while i tried to eat a breakfast sandwich well spoiler alert um she loses the breakfast sandwich in the melee oh. of the yeah and it's kind of a great scene and in, in not su- such a great movie but it made mm-hmm. me just like think about this like new york experience of getting a breakfast sandwich at like a bodega or just like how much in general i just love breakfast sandwiches i, I don't know do you have a similar do you like breakfast sandwiches a lot i do i like them from like the street like the street cart like the mm-hmm. truck or I like them from like a bodega, but like a really sketchy looking bodega. Yeah, isn't it weird? Like it's gotta be like a really kind of like like questionable. 
Yeah, like I don't like get like the one where it's like you're paying two fifty, you're getting, you know, you're getting your Kaiser roll, you're getting your orange cheese, you're getting you know, you're getting yeah. your <laughs> like um like what like what is even is American cheese? Like uh, I, I don't know what it is, but somehow when you put it on, like in the context of a breakfast sandwich, it mm-hmm. just melts and sort of fuses in with all like the nooks and crannies of the roll mm-hmm. and all the little, you know, peaks and valleys of the egg. And it just becomes like part of the sandwich in such an amazing way. Yeah. I, I, like it's I, like, I kind of get this and I'm so glad that there's like a scene in a movie about this sort of the poetry of breakfast sandwiches. <laughs> Cause when you eat them, a lot of times it's the first thing you eat in the morning and yeah your nourishment for the day that like makes you able like a really good cup of coffee and like a breakfast sandwich like yeah able to look at a day and be like i got this shit you know oh yeah no like the bodega like it's been sitting in the pot the coffee that you know you watch them make the sandwich i mean not like not like i'm inspecting them but you know like you kind of <laughs> see it you know chop 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 oh god um, imagine if those places had like secret shoppers <laughs> you're going up and you're just like i would like a breakfast sandwich and you like watching this guy on the street corner wait wait so when you went into your office did Mm -hmm. you work in midtown for like i did i used to work at um i used to work um right on Times square so it was really annoying like i'd like i'd go to get like breakfast and sometimes i'd turn around and like the naked cowboy would be like (laughs) waiting in line and it's like I can't really describe how jarring it is to turn around and see the naked cowboy. Like, I understand? And now, and now there's like um, um like naked cowboy clones, which is also oh. really strange. Because every time I've had to work in Times Square, um, because you there is like the naked cowboy, like you yeah. know that guy. But then when you start seeing just like all sorts of the Benetton rainbow of cowboys in their underwear. <laughs> Wow. Like all working. I, I don't know. Maybe he's expanded and is hiring people. Like he's outsourcing very- his services to he's <laughs> contracting whatever service he provides as a naked man, as a man in tidy whities in public strumming a guitar. To- <laughs> yeah. Whatever that market is. <laughs> yeah. He is. Uh, he's like, no, he's running like a little MLM. Like he's now, now you guys got to recruit some naked cowboys and then y'all, then they recruit naked cowboys and, it's oh like my god, imagine the top of the involved. naked cowboy pyramid. Yeah, getting involved in the naked cowboy uh pyramid scheme would just, just be insidious. Insidious. My, my friend asked me if I play I could play guitar and to come to this meeting <laughs> that I can make some <laughs> like quick cash. Yeah. <laughs> like hey, I haven't really been getting anywhere, you know. I haven't really been getting anywhere with my music and you know, I'm really frustrated. But this guy said, like, oh, come to my naked cowboy beating. <laughs> <laughs> Come to they'll, change it. they'll change your life hey man uh there's this like upper super secret group of naked cowboys though that we go to this house in the hamptons maybe you want to come to <laughs> <laughs> oh man i i like imagining the naked cowboy as next the nexium cult <laughs> yeah no i was just you were just like kind of bringing me there like that's how Keith Ranieri got his start, actually, as the as the naked cowboy. He was the original one. He, I mean, he's got strong naked cowboy vibes. He does. No, I, I'm making all this up. I don't want people to go like Google Keith Ranieri naked cowboy. 
I mean, I, I'm fine with it. I think the Naked Cowboy is like a big Trump supporter. So I'm whatever you <laughs> Google upon Google. Go with I'm God. Not Google with surprised. God. It's always like that. Yeah. It's always that like weird celebs who, who you're just like, oh, yeah, that guy is a Trump supporter, of course. Yeah. 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 I anyway, like, breakfast sandwiches, though. Yeah. Let's get back. Well, well, yeah. What's your go-to? Are you are you straight up bacon, egg, and cheese? Like, or... Um, you know, I try to exercise some caution. I think I, I, I had to, like, get my cholesterol down a little while ago. So it's like, all right. I think in those situations, you have to make a choice. It's like, I can have bacon or I can have cheese. I can't have both. So, you know, cheese. Uh, oh, you know, man. for health. For health reasons, you know. <laughs> I gotcha. I think. I mean, uh, were you? Are you like a? For me, if like if I can, I'm going pork roll. Okay. Really? Yeah. Are you not? Are you not a pork roll fan or? Um, I'm kind of pork roll agnostic. Like, I'm. It doesn't really do anything (laughs) for me, but the the existence of it doesn't offend me. Uh, It makes sense. I'm like a pork pork roll theist. Is that right? Yeah. So you, like you if there is a god to... <laughs> yeah. if yeah, there's it... a god that god is pork roll. Okay. Yeah, I think I prefer it from a uh, a truck. Yeah, I could see that. But it's like only like, like I don't know, living in New York you don't get really get pork roll. Though though there was one place any place that has it I immediately remember mm-hmm. and always go back to as much as I can like uh what's it there's that bagel place on Metropolitan Ave like Metropolitan and Lorimer. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Bagel I know, Smith. I know. About. Yes. Yeah. So they that have pork be, roll. Yeah, that kind of seems a little fancy for egg and cheese for like my preferred egg and cheese venue. Venue, like they, if you have like an elevated counter space. <laughs> I remember I did a shoot one time at Frankel's Deli. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was doing a shoot there for Bon Appetit, and they were talking to the the chefs there, or like the people who owned it, and uh, they had a breakfast sandwich with pork roll on it, and um. So I was talking to the, one of the, the woman is like one of the main chefs there and she's from North Jersey and she's going on about how they have like Taylor ham. I'm using quotes here. Yeah. They're using like Taylor ham. And I was just like, yeah, I love pork roll. And she shot me the dirtiest look. Wow. North Jersey people are just so salty about their salty meat, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) They're like you, if you like, for some reason they think that you call it, Taylor, Taylor ham and that you can't call it anything else. Like when right on the box, it's like, it says Taylor, the brand of, of it. And it says pork mm-hmm. roll right on the, the box that you buy it on, but they call it Taylor ham, ham, not a word on the box. So, I mean, maybe I'll get some hate mail or, or whatever. It's like, this like splinter, this pork roll splinter group. But it's <laughs> like, I feel like it, it, people always talk about the great Jersey debate of like where, pork roll begins and Taylor ham begins, but I feel like only North Jersey people actually care about that. Like the rest and of us just call it pork roll. Up north. Like yeah. it's like pretty far up North. So it's not like, yeah, people who live like near like action park are the only people who care. Yeah. Or <laughs> feel passionately about this. Yeah. Like the they people are... who live near pa- action park and were not killed in an accident at, at action park. <laughs> <laughs> or who haven't died from eating Taylor ham. <laughs> yeah. Are the ones I feel strongly about. Yeah. Like they're like in like a feud that doesn't exist. Like no one else cares. 
Yeah, it's really strange. Because, like, uh, growing up, I mean, we both grew up in South Jersey, mm-hmm. in Philly area, called it pork roll. I mean, did I don't, I don't think I knew that it was called Taylor Ham by anybody. But... I found out it was called Taylor Ham when I was, like, 38. <laughs> yeah, I, went, I think I was, I was similar, like, 35 or something. I went decades of my life never hearing it, never knowing about it. And you know what? I was happy. Yeah, it was it was fine. I wonder if the Taylor Ham people knew it, that it was called pork roll. Like, I wonder if their parents, when they grew up, they're like, "It is called Taylor Ham. You do not call this pork roll." And they're like, "Yeah, they're like, but they're like mommy, non people of breakfast sandwiches." Like, <laughs> okay, I guess you're gonna you're just gonna you're just gonna cling to this fiction. Fine, but mother. Right. It says pork roll on the box. You shut up. It's called Taylor Ham. And then you know, that's how. Yeah, to bet. And then, like, then you and mother don't speak for twenty years. <laughs> over the over the, the pork roll Taylor ham debate is tearing families apart. Uh, it certainly is north and south tearing yes, north families and south. apart. <laughs> brother against brother. <laughs> salted meat against salted meat. That's what uh, the night they drove all Dixie down. That's what that song's actually about. A lot of people don't know that. Oh wow! I'm just fu- wow! I didn't know. Thanks, Mike. Levon Helm's actually singing about pork roll. Here's an aspect of breakfast sandwich that I find infuriating. Have you ever watched like someone re- like they're about to receive a breakfast sandwich and they ask the guy at the bodega to put ketchup on it? Uh, yeah, that's I don't know. I'm not a ketchup on breakfast sandwich kind of person. Or eggs. I just that upsets me. Or yeah, no, nah, not on eggs. A uh, ketchup goes on scrapple, and that's it. It's like, why don't you just take a dump on your breakfast sandwich while you're at it? <laughs> what are you doing? It's <laughs> uh, this breakfast sandwich not good. Look at this. This melted cheese is oh man, this little warm bun, and you're gonna I think you're vying for a wider uh uh hate audience now. <laughs> the, <laughs> the audience who puts ketchup on things. <laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna get like bad reviews now. Like <laughs> Yeah, one star ketchup rules. (laughs) I'm really disappointed to learn that Maggie Sirota is a ketchup, is a breakfast sandwich elitist. And uh, all of us ketchup people, our voices are being silenced. Yes, they're being canceled. You will not stand up for this. Ketchup culture. So why don't we move on to the third thing, which we picked together, which was maybe you can describe this better than me. It's like a meme. Okay. Uh, So, you know, as many people as, you know, as many people in the pandemic, Twitter has become like one of my main forms of socializing because I live in, I am a hermit. mm -hmm. It's like uh, our own holodeck, if you will. Oh, I will. And, uh, (laughs) So I had a lot of fun with the um, high school starter pack meme where you post like four pictures that represent your high school experience. And it's kind of funny to see like, oh, I'm pretty old. Like when I see like what kids who grew up with like the internet are posting for their high school starter packs. Mm-hmm. But, um, but so you like grew up in a town like next to me in South Jersey. So you can probably relate to, to mine. But my starter pack was like a giant picture of Jenko's. <laughs> a hardcore record 
a Smith's poster and then like Denny's. Oh yeah. I mean, I would have pretty much the same, maybe except for the Smith's poster, just like sub it out for bad religion or something or or a skateboard or something. Yeah. Skateboard. Yes. But yeah, just like, what else? What else? The, it, or like the X, like some X-Files VHSs or, but it kind of took me back. Like, like, I know you spent a good bit of time at that Denny's on like, Oh yeah. On, on route 70. The Denny's was the place to be. So there was a Denny's that was, if you grew up in a hardcore scene or going to yeah. diners growing up, there was a 24 hour Denny's it's not there anymore in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, where everybody would go after whatever hardcore show or event yes. was happening. And you met literally everyone there. I mean, I, I remember meeting boys to men there one night. Do you wait? What? Yeah. Uh, we were there one night and um, actually it wasn't all, it was just two of them. It was like this, the tall thin guy with the, the deep voice was there mm-hmm. um, who I know lives in Medford or something, Okay, but he was in there one night and, and I was in there with a bunch of, uh, people and then we all kind of went over i think i just went over and was just like boys to men cool or something (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know what to say to him but we were all trying to like go up in in that sort of like high school prankster kid kind of way yeah like kind of shit trying not to giggle (laughs) yeah and say something and he kind of knew it but i just went up and kind of pointed i was like cool or something and he was like cool it sounds like a very good sport he his was mom, being a very good sport because I think his name is Sean. His mom worked mm-hmm. at um worked at the Victoria's Secret at the Cherry Hall, and I remember no way. I, yeah, because I when I worked at Nine West, like she came in, and we had this kind of Christmas mix going on, and she was, and this song came on, and she just starts jamming in place while she's looking at shoes, <laughs> and she's just like really grooving, and she goes, "That's my son. That's Sean," and she's singing along, and it was a boys to men song I didn't know. Wow. I think it was like from a Christmas album or something, but it was really cute. Then I looked at her face. I'm like, whoa, that is definitely your son. Like she looked like him. That's so cool. A little bit of like South Jersey magic. Yes. South Jersey holiday magic, as they say. Yeah. South Jersey magic when your social, like your social scene was the mall and then the Denny's. Yeah. I think it's like uh, other South Jersey celebrities. I think either in Merchantville or Cherry Hill, but Cinderella, do you remember that band? Yes. Uh, Tom, Tom Kiefer, I think the legend was that he lived in um, this gated community right next to the, my high school. Mm-hmm. And um, I was dating a kid that lived across the street from him. And he would tell me about just like sitting on like the lawn on his lawn and smoking cigarettes and listening to these like bonkers guitar solos. <laughs> coming. <laughs> that coming sounds out. like a great way to grow up. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then he eventually moved out, and I think his wife just lived there. But it was just funny to think of this, like, hair... I think they were on, like, the blues end of hair metal, Cinderella, but, like... Yeah, they had, like, one or two... Uh, it's like every hair metal so- uh, a band has, a like, a rocker and a ballad, like, yes, one of their hits. Yeah. And they they had their rocker and ballad. I can't even remember. Maybe no. I'll, I'll find it and play it uh, at the end of the episode or something. <laughs> yeah, but we back... Did- Back to the high school starter kit. Yeah. So let's see what else was mine. Um, like vans. And I just kind of brought mm-hmm. me back like the huge like Jenkos when I was just thinking about them. Like it, I totally had that visceral sensation of like, of like it being like raining out and me stepping in a puddle 
and the whole giant bottom of my sh- my pants are now soaked and, oh, <laughs> and it's like now yeah now my pants weigh like a hundred pounds and it's the worst and why am i doing this <laughs> well i went to catholic school so i couldn't actually wear that stuff outside of school or, or had to wear it outside of school i couldn't actually wear any of that stuff to school it's like we would wear our pants just to the point where they were considered not too big or whatever okay you know you'd grow your hair like uh i had the that haircut like the brandon frazier or whatever that looks like a w on your head of your hair <laughs> you know sorry. what i mean it looks like a W. It's like the '90s hair, which makes like two U's sprouting out. Oh, the, the butt cut. Yeah, you had a center. Okay, yeah, yeah. The boy meets world. Yeah, not quite. And then because it was like uh, there was a, a haircut that my friend dubbed the Lollapalooza hat, which was the oh, shaved really? all around and long hair, just like in the middle. Oh yeah, that was like that's a haircut that I associate with like dudes that were into tool. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's definitely like a Maynard. Yeah, like like I like when you described this haircut, I think it was like I used to just call it I used to call it just an undercut, but um like when you met you talk about this haircut, I have this whole image of like I can practically smell the dude that this kind of calls <laughs> to mind where it's like, all right, so he's got the undercut, he's got the hair in the ponytail. Um, he's got the tool t-shirt where it's got the real phallic looking wrench. Um, he's either wearing camo shorts or just cargo shorts that are gray or olive mm-hmm. green. And he's got combat boots on. Yeah, I had a few of those dudes. Yeah. Actually, you know what was really funny? There was a dude who was really popular in my high school. Who, mm-hmm. You probably had a guy like this in your high school. Just like maybe the guy who is just so unlikable but everybody likes him like um so this guy i'll describe him a little bit so this guy he was just like really like rough around the edges which i guess all the girls really liked Um, he was a project they could they could yeah he was a thousand percent a project so he all of his clothes were kind of dirty he was just like had this hair that was very unkempt i remember he borrowed uh my friend's uh, English book okay. and in, in the middle of class he just takes the English book and blows his nose in it and then slams it shut like boom and it I mean it was just like so disgusting he was obsessed with Nirvana and like fancied okay. himself kind of a musician mm-hmm. um, and he used to carry around a bag of tea which he would call his penny royal tea and Jeez. a cherry and acid in his wallet and oh my gosh he was just a little bit unsuff- in- insufferable but like, like he, he definitely he like, had an affectation he had a persona he was playing it up he decided you know he made fun of everybody it was just like really mean to everybody and then the girls just loved him like the I most beautiful girls in class were like just uh like loved him i did not understand i do not uh, like you're gonna have to show me a picture of this guy uh i'll see if i can dig one up I mean, I don't want to say his name in case he's like in jail or something. But... <laughs> <laughs> or, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Guy he... incognito. Or maybe he lives in like a McMansion or something like a lot of. Uh... I don't know. I feel like that's the path. The bullies like like I feel like that's something people need to realize about their high school bullies is that they all end up just fine. I was actually trying to imagine because like I know ours, but I was trying to, to imagine like what other people who weren't into the same shit our age what yeah. their high school starter packs would be like like um 
like uh, I, I would imagine like somebody who went to like Haddonfield High School, mm-hmm. who was our age, would have a, a starter pack that looked kind of like um, what's it, Seth Green from Can't Hardly Wait, <laughs> with like ski <laughs> goggles and like a puffy vest. <laughs> see, I see it more like the kids in Haddonfield because I lived right on the border, so like- right. Well, that's more my brother. I think he kind of looked like that a little bit in high school. I could, I definitely, I've got a very clear picture of that. I think what I think about, um, the first thing that comes to mind is like socks and Birkenstocks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, socks and Birkenstocks. They were, because they were like the the high school that when they saw Dazed and Confused were like, that movie is about us and about our high school. And if it doesn't look like that now, it will next week. Yeah. Like, like they definitely yeah. got into their parents, Grateful Dead records. Like they were all like, mm-hmm. like, I feel like that kid, it's like the guy version was like, okay. It's like a curved bill, like college basketball cap. That's like yeah. been beat up. And then they've got like, they're kind of growing the bottom half of their hair out a little bit. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. like it's going to get in shaggy at the bottom. Like it's not quite a mullet, but it's just like, just unkempt enough. And then there's like a long sleeve t-shirt. And then over that, they put a, um, like a tie dyed Grateful Dead or a fish shirt. Yeah. So they're like, they got that layer look and then maybe like a, a flannel or a sweatshirt tied around their waist. And then like kind of cargo shorts or cargo pants. And then the aforementioned sock and Birkenstock combo. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's or maybe like even that. those hippie pants too. The ones that were just like, look like a patchwork quilt. Oh yeah. The ones that kind of said to the world, I own, a, I own at least two ferrets. Like this is what happened to all those hacky sacks pants. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, hi, I will be on the street somewhere selling devil's that like trying yes. to get, to get money. Like I'll be panhandling with my devil sticks, despite the fact that I have a trust fund. Like, can you you show me where there are two trees close enough to tie this tightrope to? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The kind of kids that grow up. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm just going to join an adult circus. (laughs) The the kids who are like, um, is there a ultimate Frisbee golf course near here? Kids. (laughs) And they go to like read or something like some like insanely Mm -hmm. expensive, like, private liberal arts college like then they end up just going to mm. oberlin or reed in, in oregon or, uh, what's the other uh, one uh the one upstate bard bard yeah cousin went there oh god i'm always amazed by that college i'm like they just let you do whatever you want they're just like yeah whatever or like hampshire up in um i think mm-hmm. like she yeah do you know that thing about how all the all the umass schools like around there are like the characters for scooby-doo oh i've heard that before yeah yeah. Like UMass is Scooby Doo and Hampshire is Shaggy and Mount mm-hmm. Holyoke's Daphne. Oh uh, yeah, the women's college. And uh, what's the other one? The other women's college. Uh, that's Thelma. Radcliffe or the the one at Harvard? It- I don't know. We're we're I don't know. At us. <laughs> <laughs> please tell us what. I don't feel like googling. Us, tell us which which women's college, which Massachusetts women's college, uh, Thelma is from. Yes. What yeah. unflattering feminist caricature was the, was Hannah and Barbara creating? Exactly. Um, the other, well, the other thing I was thinking about is because I went to Catholic school, there was like, you couldn't, you had a uniform, but there was like different uniforms for each of the kids. Do you know what okay. I mean? Like the uniform is basically like you had to wear a dress shirt, pleated pants, a jacket, and a tie. And you didn't have your hair longer mm-hmm. than okay. the bottom of your ears. 
So for guys, the girls had to wear a white shirt, uh, skirt, black skirt or black pants, mm-hmm. uh, and then like knee socks. Um, so there was like, you know, the, the cool skater kids were like kind of big pants mm-hmm. and then like skate shoes that looked like dress shoes mm-hmm. and you'd have your hair as long as it could be. And, you know, you basically grow sideburns right into the edge of where they could be. The, Did that, anyone that like kind of, pull out a ruler to? The, oh, the, yeah. Okay. Well, with the girls, it was like your skirt had to be a certain length. It could, had it be like two inches above the knee. It couldn't be any more than that. It's and there was so, so wild to like this idea. I mean, of like punitively enforcing gender norms. Like, oh, you it was will, insane. You will perform all the traits that we decide is are masculine, or you you will be written. You will be disciplined. The, and it's true. Like the the Palatines were the priestly order that uh, sort of governed. The, they governed the school. And Mm -hmm. they would talk about themselves like they were the mafia. They're just like, we are a family. We, uh, if you like disobey us, you are out of the family, basically. Blood in, blood out. Exactly. Father, son, Holy Spirit. (laughs) (laughs) It was so crazy. And and like when I first went there for a second, there was like this sort of Vatican II, crunchy granola, hippie, Jesus god spell kind of shit happening right uh that only lasted for like a year or two until they were just like no that this we don't like the way everybody is now so no more fun stuff oh wow that's a bummer i it's funny it's like like when i when you talk about like what you couldn't wear in school and like i have this picture of you like it's the crazy video from aerosmith or like when alicia silverstone and um (laughs) Liv Tyler. uh, Liv Tyler are like leaving school and they're like changing out of there. Yeah. (laughs) Like this is you, but you're putting on Jenko's like, woo, you're running out the door and you're like, you're like pulling open your, your button down. You got a bad religion shirt underneath. And it's the one with like the, the universal no sign over the cross. Like, (laughs) well, there was a, that was definitely what I did pretty much every day after school. It was like the tie and the collar comes off, Mm -hmm. but, but it was like, um, if you just add a cabriolet convertible to that, for some reason, all of the popular girls who are in the junior and senior class who got their license all wanted white cabriolet convertible cabriolets. Hmm. And I would, of course, ask them all for rides. And so that was like <laughs> me jumping in through the open, you know, in the convertible, <laughs> like undoing like, my tie. <laughs> and like your like butt cut is like like whipping in the wind. <laughs> yeah, that's the way. I mean, those were the days. Yeah, man. I had a friend who I think it's a private dick now, private investigator, but he would sell us seven inch records in the parking lot. And he was the one who kind of converted us all into hardcore kids. Do you remember what band, what records he was selling? Oh, I remember I bought like an ashes record. Wow. Okay. I bought, he had like cool stuff. He had uh, like, he had a friend at ebullition that right. Oh, wow. And would give us, well, we would buy it from him, but we would get seven inches from from that. Remember, like Manumission was a band. So there's uh, this guy in the parking lot selling like Ordination of Aaron, seven inches. <laughs> yeah. Well, you never had that, but okay. th- like that, that on that that, that era of hardcore that I can never explain to people who aren't there. Yeah. Like kind of like that that era of emo that I can't that like when people tell me they like emo or it's like oh well. Like that's like, not really what that is. <laughs> yeah, and it's just or it's just like okay, I think that's just pop punk. <laughs> Yeah, that I mean, emo, I think, just became like pop punk. Yeah. Like when people start calling bands like Jawbreaker emo. Yeah. It's like not 
the emo anymore or whatever it was. Yeah. I thought I always thought like because I remember that we had our friend, our mutual friend Eric Bader, uh, came up to me one time at a show after mm-hmm. I met him, and I think I told him some bands that I liked, and he was like, "Oh, do you like emo?" And I was like, "What's emo?" And he was just like, "Basically, when a hardcore singer sings." It's emo. (laughs) (laughs) It's like basically when a white man has an emotion. Yeah. (laughs) When he expresses an emotion, that's emo. (laughs) It's like less complainy and more like introspective. Okay, sure, sure. It's it's just like, it was just like they sing, they don't scream. And that's what I was like, okay, that's emo. They sing, they don't scream. (laughs) Oh, uh, before I wanted to get out of here, I did want to say that was kind of cool that Jesus Jones was like tweeting at you and uh, us yeah, after the they last episode. The they enjoyed the episode. So I'm like, glad we said nice things about them. I know we were. I mean, a year ago, we were very complimentary to Jesus Jones. Yes. <laughs> and I'm glad that they were very receptive to that. Yeah. A year ago, we got to hang out in the same room. Yeah, so I guess I'll do the obligatory like and subscribe to our podcast. Three things. Three things. It's gotten us through the pandemic. Hope it gets you through too. All right. So you got anything you want to plug, Mike? Um, I am working on a show called Dessert Person with Claire Saffitz. uh, That's on the YouTubes right now. Uh, And I made a bunch of music for it and I record all the sound for it. Um, So go and watch Dessert Person uh if you can it's pretty cool and and yeah and i'm at michael gugino just my name at michael gugino twitter whatever else uh grinder (laughs) (laughs) i don't know public public arrest records (laughs) grinder hoagie sub submarine sandwich yeah you can find me anywhere or anywhere where someone's making a breakfast sandwich like you can find me to be there So Maggie, do you have anything you want to talk about? Uh, before we get out of here, uh, you know, you can follow me on Twitter every day at Maggie Sirota, where I am whiling the pandemic hours away, trying not to go insane. Yeah, trying not to go insane. Isn't that just uh, the yeah. mantra for the pandemic? Yes, this has been a year of Groundhog Day. <laughs> it really has. Though I've been traveling a lot with Ghost Adventures, which is really maddening to like have to travel in, in this <laughs> hot mess of a world. Yeah. Yeah. Bless you. You're getting through it. Hey, I'm just trying to make that sweet, sweet content for the people out there. <laughs> trying to feed that, feed that BB. Feed the Jones, <laughs> the Jesus Jones. Yes. All right. That's it for uh, three things. That's our three things. All right. That was fun. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Network.